We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are 0 and 4. And it's a short week as they're on national television to take on the Washington Commanders on Thursday Night Football, presented by Amazon Prime. And Sunday looked like it was off to a good start for the Bears, but they ended up blowing a 21-point lead, ended up losing to the Denver Broncos 31-28. to um, A fourth quarter collapse all the way around, 14 straight losses, 3-18 and in the Matt Eberflus era, and even more so, there's dysfunction going around all around Hallis Hall. Um, it, it's just a big mess. We're going to break all of that down, preview a little bit of the Commanders game on Thursday and what to expect for the rest of the season. Let me bring in my co-host Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, let's get this right out the way um, because I, I know the last couple of times we've forgotten about this, but what is your um, charity for this week um, for the Bears and Commanders? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm glad the uh... I'm glad that uh, we got this out of the way in the beginning, and now Let's I've do some positive because stuff, I've got right? yeah I've got yeah exactly <laughs> we gotta we gotta do some do some positive stuff here. I'm sorry, I'm pulling this thing up right now because I've got a list that I choose from every uh, every month. Here, there we go. Okay, um, let's see. As I'm still scrolling through, dude, how many times do I tweet in a day? It doesn't even feel like it's that many. Okay, there we go. Okay, um, so the. Uh, Touchdown for Tails Rescue of the Week is going to be the Animal Health Shelter. Um, so they're technically about 45, 50 minutes outside of Chicago and Huntley. I'm sure you probably know better than I do where that's at. Uh, but they've been in the community since 2002. Uh, they saved over 6,300 animals total. So another really good, uh, really good rescue slash shelter. Um, they they are a no kill shelter. They are one of the true only one of the few true no kill shelters uh, in the uh, in the United States. So 
again, it's a really, it's a really good thing. They do, um, you know, they do cats, they do dogs on occasions, they do rabbits, um, as crazy as that sounds. So, um, you know, if you're interested in more information, go check them out as always, you know, volunteering, fostering donations, uh, you know, anything that you feel like you can do or want to do for any of these rescues that we call out on a weekly basis, um, definitely feel free to go on the website and learn more. Yeah. And you know, now to a negative here, (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, one word to describe, let's say the past, I mean, you could, you could describe the Maddie Rufus era in this word too, but I'm just going to stick with like what the past 10 or so days um, since the Friday before the Denver Broncos game um, dysfunction, man, just absolute dysfunction. You know, it started with the Chase Claypool stuff. Um, you know, him being asked, if he thinks that, you know, he's being used right in this offense and him flat out saying no. And then later on, you know, pretty much saying that, you know, it's not his job to tell the coaches how to be used. It's up for them to figure it out. Um, and, you know, when I heard that, I knew it was going to, you know, crap was going to hit the fan. Um, and, you know, from then on, it's just, you know, everything just seemed to go downhill. I mean, he was inactive on game day on Sunday. He didn't show up to the game. The Bears got off to a hot start, 21-7, 28-7. Um, it looked like, you know, Justin Fields was on fire, 23-24, of I believe it was, like 285, three touchdowns, or four touchdowns in the first three quarters. Um, they blow it. They blow the game. Um, you know, what now, 0-4 on the season, 14-game um, losing streak. And then after the game, when you didn't think it could get much worse with the dysfunction, Maddie Rufus does what Maddie Rufus does and can't understand any questions in the press conferences. Um, <clears throat> you know, says that the Bears um, gave Claypool a choice to stay home and he stayed home. Um, 20 minutes after that, you know, it's a, a, a PR spokesperson makes his rounds around the press box telling us that the Bears told him to stay home, completely contradicting what the head coach had to say. Um, the net, you know, Ibufus also said that he expected Claypool to be with the team this week because it's a short week to prepare for the Denver Broncos or for the Washington Commanders. And then, literally, less than what 12 hours later, goes on ESPN radio saying that he will not be with them this week. It's crap, man. It is total crap when you listen to Matt Ibufus talk Monday in that press conference. It's just, huh? What? Uh, I'm not sure I understand your question. The act is old, man. Like, it's old. And I'm not just saying that because I'm there most of the time and I hear this in front of me. This crap should be old for every fan of this franchise. I'm sick of arguing with people on Twitter about the media causing this, the media causing Iberflus to do this. Stop. I know everyone loves the Bears. I I grew up a Bears fan. I love the Bears. Stop defending a dysfunctional organization. It's insane to me, man. Like it is, it's, I don't want to vent too much, but it's like when people might mention saying, Oh, I've been a lifelong bears fan. And you know, you guys need to pepper better questions and do all this and do all that. Are you not listening to your head coach? He cannot understand a question and dances around it. It is so bad. And we're recording this on Tuesday. Obviously things change because there's a short week. So we're up at Hallis on Tuesdays now for Justin Fields to speak. Next week it goes back. The past 24 hours, Justin Fields and Cole Komet have given clear, thorough answers on Chase Claypool. A hundred times better than the damn head coach can. 
And it's just, it, it's just insane to me, man. Like Iberflus era is over. It's toast. He's not saving his job. There's no reason for him to save his job. It's he, the team has gotten worse. And I don't know, man, like I said, I don't want to vent, but like, am I crazy? Like this is like, I just don't understand like how the head coach can go up there and play this game. Well, we don't, I don't want to get into that. I'd say this, I'd say that. It's like, just answer the damn questions. Like, come on, this is really not that hard. Well, so I'm going to come at this from a, from a different angle because obviously you're paid to be there on a daily basis. I'm in Texas. I'm not, if I don't want to write, I don't have to write because you know, again, like I'm not a paid journalist that is doing this for a living. So here's my perspective on it. Okay. I, I feel like, and again, I, I've seen, because I trust me, anytime anytime I blast out anything with, with how they dealt with the Alan Williams situation, how Matt Eberflus has dealt with questions with damn near anything or the Chase Claypool, I automatically mute the tweet because I don't, I, I'm sorry, but I don't give a shit about the responses because it's the same thing over and over. I We have watched this team for, you know, depending on how old you are and, and how long you've truly been following this team. Let's just say, you know, in terms of Twitter time, right? The last 12 years for me, right? The entire reason why I got into writing is because I had a passion for watching football. I had a passion for the Bears. And it has done nothing but be miserable eight out of the 12 years that I've done any sort of in-season writing, right? And here's the thing that, that, that fans seem to be completely missing on. And I can say this because I'm not a paid member of the media. I'm not a credentialed member of the media. I'm not the media. I'm a fan that writes. So I can say this. The entire reason why I and you and a bunch of other people get as irritated as they do about the way that the Bears handle things is because it's the same bullshit dysfunction, disorganization, misinformation that this team has been pushing out for the last 15 to 20 years, while they have not been remotely successful and they're getting the shit kicked out of them by the fucking Packers every single, every single year, right? This is the same exact team who has operated the same way year after year after year after year, and they suck. So the, the whole point of this is, is that there is, this serves absolutely zero purpose to the fans, to the media, to the national audience whatsoever for them to act the way that they do. The fact that Matt Eberflus and Matt Nagy and John Fox have all played the same exact role for this team tells me that it's not just a head coaching thing. It's not just a general manager thing. This is an organizational directive for them to go up there and give as little information as possible. Is it our business? Well, that's debatable. You can say, yeah, it's a personal thing. It's none of your business. But at the same time, here's the fact of the situation. This is a professional sport. The reason it's a professional sport, the reason that these guys make millions of dollars, the reason that these franchises make billions of dollars is because of the fan interest, right? So we're not, we're, you know, you want to compare this to the Arena League or the XFL or whatever it is. The, the difference is fan interest. So yes, the Bears have an obligation to the fans, to the media, to provide actual clarity on situations where there is this much dis dysfunction, because the reality of it is, is that they create more issues for themselves by doing exactly what they've been doing and handling it the way they handled it. So it's not just as simple as it's not any of your business. Why does it matter? It matters because they have they have operated the same damn way for as long as I can remember. They have what uh, I would say. What is it? Four playoff appearances, five playoff appearances since, you know, I, you know, counting the Super Bowl back in 2006. I mean, dude, this is a team that has been absolute trash. Like, uh, what's his name? Jake, 
Jay Kuda, I think is his name, the guy on uh, yeah. Twitter. He oh, does a lot of white stats. stats. Great stats. Yeah, so he does all these stats, right? And he, and he did this thing where he basically went through and ranked or, you know, put a record behind every single team's last 162, team, uh, 162 games. The Bears were like fifth worst in the entire league, including the worst in their own division behind the Detroit Lions, who have been an absolute laughingstock and have had an 0-16 season within that stretch. That that is the thing that absolutely drives me insane. I get it. Fandom is fandom. It is what it is. Like a part of being a fan is being a fanatic. I understand that. That doesn't mean that you have to lack objectivity about the situation. The reason that this stuff is a big deal is because it continues to be the same cycle of a circus over and over, regardless of what regime it is. And sometimes it starts from the top, and it starts from the top with directives. It starts with the top from saying, hey. We're going to change things. We're going to stop locking this thing down like Fort Knox, acting like we have all these trade secrets. Well, we've been to the playoffs twice in the last, what, uh, 20 or sorry, 13 years now. They've been to the playoffs twice in the last 13 years, haven't won a playoff game since 2010. And this is how they want to treat the organization and treat the fans. I mean, again, I'm a fan of this team, so I can say this. It's a slap in the face for them to treat us like idiots and like we don't that we don't deserve or we shouldn't get the information that every other team in the league is, is putting out there. So yes, I, like I said, I can speak differently on this because again, I I'm objective or I try to be objective, but at the same time, I am still a fan. I do this because I am still a fan, but at a certain point in time, you have to look at the situation and say that this is from the top down one of, if not the most dysfunctional organization in the NFL Right now, they've passed the Browns, they've passed the Lions, they've passed every other team that every fan wants to dunk on during the offseason for doing something stupid or looking bad or having this terrible record. The Bears have surpassed all of that because they can't develop a quarterback, they can't keep a head coach longer than four years, they can't keep a GM longer than five years, they have absolutely zero structure. Um, even the whole the, the whole you know the the interview cycle that they had this last time, they had a president that they knew was retiring. Right. They had a president that they knew that was retiring and an owner that has claimed multiple times. I'm just a fan. I don't know anything about football. So what do they do? They have those guys hire Bill Polian, who hasn't been in the league in God knows how long. And that is how they figure out their their GM and head coaching situation. And you know what? The jury may still be out of Ryan Poles. But like you said, the jury is in on Maddie Rufluse. Maddie Rufluse was a terrible hire. The fact that they have three, three finalists as candidates before they even hired a general manager and then try to pass it off to the fans as saying, "Oh yeah, well this is one of this is the guy that Ryan Poles wanted." Well, if you give him three names, then maybe so. But if you're telling me that they actually went out and did a full search and let him do the full search on the head coach, that is absolute bullshit. That that is who was who his his final candidate was. But again, this is the same thing that we've seen time and time and time again. You talk about the Justin Fields thing. You talk about the Mitchell Trubisky thing. The Jay Cutler thing. Every single time you go back and you look at a quarterback in the regime, the quarterback is always the holdover in every single new regime. And the same thing happened with Justin Fields, and Justin Fields' develop, uh, development has been ruined to a certain extent, and he's been put in a no-win situation. So, you know, I don't mean to go on a rant, but at the same time, man, the, the reality of the situation, we can love the team all we want, but this team sucks. They absolutely suck. They've been an embarrassment for multiple years now. Anytime you think they're getting it right, they don't. 
But then they expect us just to basically sit there and watch these press conferences while Matt Eberflus gives these answers or Ryan Poles comes up and has a press conference that says absolutely nothing to nobody. And they expect us to accept that and say, well, it's, it's none of our business. It's not that big of a deal. It's a public organization. The entire reason why they are an organization that makes billions of dollars is because of fan interest. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, and the other thing is, when you look at it and people say, well, you know, we want football answers. We want, we want you to ask football questions. We want to know why they're losing games. You're not going to get an answer for that. You haven't gotten an answer for that from Matt Eberflus. There's been no answers at all. He deflects blame. He can't answer. It's it's just, it's insane. It's like, it's the same stuff over and over and over and over. It's like, you ask him, why, well, you know, why'd your team lose this game? Why, why'd your team play like this? Well, we got to go back and look at the X's O. We got to go back and do this. We gotta it's just, it's crap. It's just, it's, it's complete, like, it's a slap in the face to Bears fans and people that root for this team. And it's just unfortunate. It's, it's ever, the fans deserve better. This organization deserves better, but I don't, you know, nothing's obviously going to change. Um, at nothing, all, but nothing's going to change until they get new ownership. George McCaskey could be the nicest guy in the world. And I know that Virginia McCaskey has done. A he lot is very, I will say this. I, he, he is probably the nicest guy in the world. I've met him a couple times. He's super nice, but I, I, I know where you're going tonight, and I do agree. It's just, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is, uh, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Like, he's he's very clearly not capable of running this team. And, I mean, the, the trends have been the same the entire time that he's been here. And, you know, I guess speaking of trends, I'm kind of curious on your take because right before we started recording this podcast and there's been some rumors floating around, and, again, they're rumors. It is what it is. But Peter King kind of laid out a, you know, yeah. laid out a, a situation where he thinks that Matt Matt Eberflus could be fired on Friday, which would be the first time that the Bears have ever fired a head coach in season. Which to me, while it may not do anything for the 2023 season, I do think that it at least signals that Kevin Warren is in charge and that things are going to be different in some way, shape, or form. But my question is, how likely do you think that is to happen? Because I, I don't know, man. I'm still not buying. It. Yeah, I, I heard the interview on um, 670 to score. It was Parkinson Spiegel. Um, I get where King is coming from because traditionally any a lot of other franchises, like, I, you know, I don't maybe Green Bay might not do it. Um, but I, I think, you know, 30, 29, 30 other franchises would, would do it um, if Matt Averfuss and the Bears didn't lose on Thursday. So I think he's kind of just speaking from, you know, it, it, this is what would happen the majority of the NFL. Um, however, you know, 
during the interview, he didn't really give any solutions who takes over. And that's my big thing we have to kind of keep an eye on here and remember. You look at the staff. Number one, the guy that probably would have taken over probably would have been Alan Williams. Um, he's not here. We don't know what happened, all that, but he's not with the team. He's not going to be with the team. Do you give it to Luke Getze? Um, I don't know because I, I think, you know, what we saw Sunday, at least for three quarters, was a positive in my eyes. Um, we saw a lot of what we were hoping to see with, with Luke Getze's game plan. Do you want to add on more responsibility to that? Um, does Richard Hightower take it? You know, we saw, who was it? Was it um, Las Vegas? Was it 2021 where they they fired, you know, or not fired, but yeah, they pretty much, <clears throat> excuse me, let go of um, John Gruden because of all the emails and, and all that stuff. And they um, promoted special teams coordinator, what is it, Rich Basia, I believe his name is. Basaccia. Um, Basaccia. Um, I don't know if they'd give it to Richard Hightower. I don't know if Richard Hightower would take it. I, I honestly do not know enough about him. Um, I know he's been around the league for a long time. He's been multiple stops. He's a respected guy in the, in the building. I know that. Um, yeah, man, it just, you're not going to bring in anyone off the street. Like this is not going to be a Jeff Saturday type situation. I don't, I don't think you can do that. So I just don't know who you replace him with. Like, it's a really tricky situation. And, and, and to answer your question, I mean, I, I think I would be shocked. I think if they lose Thursday, honestly, man, I think with that loss, I tweeted it. I, I said, whatever Matt Eberflus was doing on that fourth down, I understand you want to go for it and end the game. Um, and I get it. It probably was the right play call or at least idea. I don't like the shotgun, though. I'm not really a fan of that. Um, however, man, they burned a timeout. They came to the line of scrimmage. They tried getting them to jump. They didn't do that. They then burned a timeout, thought about it, came out with that play, didn't succeed. Yeah, if it works, we're not talking about this. But, I mean, <clears throat> if I was management, the way that that game went, I think I've seen enough. Um, and, and, and speaking of the reporter, I've seen enough from Matty Rufus to know he's not the guy. There is absolutely not one single positive besides maybe the Bermuda grass that they put in at Soldier Field that you could point to that says this guy has made a right decision as a head coach. And I think there are multiple, multiple, multiple examples of, of bad things. Um, yeah. So I, I'd be shocked if it happened Friday. I, I just, I, I know, I understand the thought process on it and I'm not saying, you know, Peter King doesn't know anything or anything like that. Um, I just, I, I'd be shocked. Cause like you said, man, we've never seen it. Like we have never seen it. So I think all of us would be shocked. Right. Yeah, no, I, well, and that's kind of the thing, right? This isn't this isn't a normal situation where you're saying, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna fire the head coach, but we still have both we still have both coordinator positions covered because they don't, mm -hmm. and that's that's the problem is that you're talking about a situation where not only are you having to replace the head coach, but you're having to replace the defensive coordinator. So right then and there, to me, like that would tell me, like, hey like you're probably not taking anybody off the defensive staff. And I mean, let's just be honest, man. Lou gets, he's been pretty freaking bad for the majority. That's the thing is he knows how to adjust once, but once that adjustment has been figured out or once that game plan has been figured out, he doesn't know how to adjust from there. I mean, we saw that even in the game. I mean, they played, I don't know what the hell Vance Joseph was thinking, but they played uh man coverage for the majority of three quarters against a quarterback who's you know historically struggle against zone defenses as soon as they switch it up to his own defense all of a sudden they didn't score any more points 
And what happened with, you know, the, the play calling and, and, and the game plan, it didn't go through. Now, so it's just you kind of look at it and it's like, yeah, I mean, Hightower almost kind of makes the most sense in that kind of situation. But again, you're replacing not only a head coach, but you're replacing your basically your defensive coordinator at this point. So it's like and I said it like I do think that somebody should be fired. If anything, I mean, frankly, it, it makes more to me, it makes more sense to fire the Getsy because I think at this point in time, like you said, dude, it it's over for this coaching staff. I mean, point blank, it is absolutely over for this coaching staff. I don't see I don't see a way back from what's been going on so far like it's not you can throw out you know you can throw out the tank situation all you want last year you know the three and 14 season and that's fine like I I, you know you can't really hold that against them although you can simply say they were really bad last year and they got the number one overall pick even if some of that was by design it still happened but to come into this year with the amount of resources that this team spent with the amount of resources that they had in free agency in the draft and the trade that they made and, you know, you finally get Matt Eberflus' guys on defense. Again, I, you know, I'll keep highlighting this. Five out of the seven top free agent contracts that they have signed and five out of the seven top draft picks over the last two years have gone to the defense side of the ball. And from a Bears history standpoint, this is the worst stretch of defense they have ever played. And you're talking about a defensive minded head coach. So it's like I just I don't see a way back from it. But with that being said, you know, if somebody's going to lose a job, it almost makes more sense for Luke Getze because, yeah, okay, they started out bad last year. They made some adjustments, and then they come in, you know, and then obviously things kind of faded off from there, and then they come into this year, and outside of playing the, you know, historically one of the, you know, one of the worst defenses in NFL history through the first three weeks of the season, and frankly probably the fourth because they didn't play good against the Bears either, it's like outside of that, I mean, they've had three really bad offensive performances, and even in that game last week, they failed to adjust when it mattered the most. They abandoned Justin Fields, a guy that had one incompletion with 14 seconds left in the third quarter, is a guy that they don't want to have the ball in his hands on the drive where they should have won the game. And I'll be the first to say, I am completely in support of the fact that they went for it. I think that in their situation, they had absolutely nothing, nothing to lose by it. So I have no issue with them going for it. But like you pointed out, it wasn't just the going for it. It was the play call. It was the fact that they called a timeout, turned around and came back and ran the same damn play, telegraphing the same damn thing that everybody knew. Everybody in the stadium knew that they, what they were going to do based off of the formation. It's like, why are you taking the ball out of Justin Fields' hands when he's the most electric player that you have on either side of the ball? Why aren't you letting him try to get that, whether it's a quarterback sneak whether it's, you know, basically, uh, you know, like a, you know, read option, whatever the case may be, like, why are you not allowing him to be the guy that picks up, you know, the first down? And then it's just, I don't know, man, there's just, there's so many things wrong with this coaching staff. And it's like, just look at, just look at some of the guys that have left the Bears last year, you know, this, this year, and see some of these guys that are playing, way better football. Like look at Roquan Smith. And we said this last year, man. I mean, the reality of it is, yes, they got a, the second and fifth round pick for him. But if you can't make Roquan Smith work on your defense and he can't play at a high level, then your defense is a problem. We see him get traded. He was, you know, first team all pro last year. He's been absolutely awesome this year. Nicholas Moreau has played really well. Um, Travis Gibson had a sack last week. It's like you start looking around at some of the guys that they've let go and that they're they're playing consistently better once they leave this defense. And 
it's then you look at the the free agents that they brought in. They spent eighteen million dollars a year on Tremaine Edmonds, and Tra- Tremaine Edmonds has played about half the snaps out of these first four games, looking like he was just completely lost or out of position. I mean, look at look at some of these free agent additions that they've made. Look at some of the draft picks that they've made that have done absolutely nothing for them so far. As much as everybody wants to talk about on the broadcast how Jaquan Brisker is this promising young safety, dude, the reality of it is he really wasn't that good as a rookie. And he has been absolutely terrible over these four, first uh, four weeks of the season. He looks like he's playing with a piano on his back. He's constantly in the wrong position anytime I, I've seen him in coverage. And he's not making very good tackles. So it's like when you really start piecing things together, you have to figure out, is this a talent acquisition thing? Because I, 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 I have to believe that you're not just signing guys that were good that come over here and start not playing as good. Like I have to think it's a coaching thing, but then you start talking about all the in-game stuff, and it's just like I said, man. I I don't see, I don't see a route that this team can magically fix things because you know, and, and I know some people aren't ready to have this conversation yet, but here's the reality. All right, you know, the, the, this is what we're looking at right now is, you know, if they do keep this coaching staff, which I don't think anybody in the world feels comfortable with, and Justin Fields progresses, that would be a best-case scenario. That's what we all expected at the beginning of the season. That seems like the most unlikely of scenarios at this very moment. But let's say that you do move on with the coaching staff. That directly impacts Justin Fields because all of a sudden you're talking about a fourth-year quarterback going into his third offensive system and third head coach in four years, and you have to sell a head coach on the fact that that is going to be your guy. I just, that's, that's, that is part of my frustration with all this is that yes, Justin Fields has been inconsistent. Justin Fields has done things where you're like, man, I don't know about this, but at the same time, the bears have put him in the absolute worst position to succeed. I mean, he gets, he comes in as a rookie. The offense doesn't really work for him. They turn around, they fire Matt Nagy, they bring in a defensive head coach, they bring in Luke Getze, things are supposed to get better, but they put no offensive weapons around him, they put a terrible offensive line around him and and, and have him figured out. And then this year, things are still not going well because they clearly didn't hire the right offensive mind. It's just, dude, there's been so many things wrong, and unfortunately, I think that if this coaching staff is gone, it's an all but a guaranteed, regardless, in my opinion, of where of the Bears pick, which very well looks like one of those two picks is going to be a top two, top three pick, at least. Um, but regardless of what happens, if you bring in a, a third coaching staff in four years for Justin Fields, there's a very good chance that he's not going to be the quarterback. So this is kind of a this is a multi-layered thing where you have to look at it from a perspective of, okay, even if Justin Fields doesn't end up, you know, producing the way that we were hoping for. And at the end of the year, we know for a fact that he's not the guy. Do you want this coaching staff bringing along a Caleb Williams or a Drake May? I can tell you right now, I sure sure as hell don't either. So there's just so many different levels to this where it just feels like it's more than just a coaching staff. It's more than just Justin Fields. Like this is a, a situation where you're basically going to have to abandon the ship on a lot of the core principles and a lot of the core scheme fits and stuff that you brought in and you're going to have to completely redo a lot of this and hope that the talent that you brought in that you have multiple years committed to can fit moving forward. Yeah, and I mean it's tough, man. I I don't I don't trust this coaching staff. I I don't if, if the Bears take a quarterback which it looks like they're likely going to um yeah, I I don't trust them at all. Like you can't draft Drake May or Caleb Williams and, and put them in the hands of this coaching staff and 
you know, I, I, I would agree. Like I, I do think Luke Getzi is probably one of the first ones to go. Um, I think maybe Sunday might've bought him some time. The problem is they didn't win the game. So yeah, I don't know. The offense looked a little better at least for the first half. Um, but yeah, man, when it counted the most, you know, they couldn't get it done the fourth quarter. Um, they were stopping a fourth down fields had another bad fumble. It's 33 in his career. Um, this one went back for a touchdown. He threw an interception. Yeah, it's um, it's a mess. It, it's just the same old stuff that we're used to seeing. And, and you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the offense before we kind of get into um, the commanders because, you know, this defense to me, man, I mean, it's not even worth talking about right now because they are just so bad. I mean, they, they, are, they are really, really bad. Um, but looking at this offense, I'm kind of just curious because – I think we agree on it. I think, you know, the first three quarters was what we've wanted to see from Justin Fields and what we've wanted to see from this offense for the first, you know, for the start since the start of the season. And I think the scheme was really good. I think the play actions, the the, the rollouts, the, the boot action, all that stuff was, was really good. Um, and it worked for three quarters. And granted it, it was the Denver defense. It looked like a real offense and, I'm at the point where like, I got to see more. I, this is not winning me back over on Justin Fields. I'm not switching over to the other side and say, yeah, he's my quarterback. He proved it. Um, I do think it's a, it's a solid, it's a, it's a little step in the right direction, but you have to close that one out. There's still mistakes being made at the end. And it's just, to me, I don't know if you kind of get this, but when it goes wrong for him in this offense, it just snowballs and goes wrong and they cannot dig themselves out of a hole. Yeah, well, and that's and, and and I think that and that's what makes this evaluation so hard, right? Is because you know, dude, Justin Fields was outstanding for the first three quarters of the game. He had one incompletion that was on a hail mary until the last fourteen seconds of the third quarter. Like he had thrown four touchdown passes. He was almost over three hundred yards. He was having a career day, and then all of a sudden things started. You know, it was like the the offensive play calling just started changing. All of a sudden, they weren't trying to find DJ Moore. They weren't trying to push the ball down the field. They weren't. They were just basically doing a lot of more short route, short passing, run. You know, run the ball more. And it's like, you know, in a normal situation, you're up. You know, twenty eight to seven. Okay, cool. I can see it. Even twenty eight fourteen. Okay, cool. I can see it. But with the Bears, we've seen how often they lose momentum, even when they're having big offensive days. And yeah, I, and that's that's kind of the thing where it's hard to tell how much of it's coaching and how much of it's Justin Fields because you can flip the the, the exact opposite end of the spectrum here, right? And let's just go and look at Green Bay. And I know that some people are going to hate this comparison, but let's just look at Jordan Love, right? Jordan Love, for the most part, three out of the four games has been putrid, absolutely putrid in the first half of, of those three games. He wasn't good against the Bears. Uh, he was pretty solid against Atlanta and then they blew that game late. And then week three, they had a game against new Orleans where he looked, he looked like he wasn't even an NFL quarterback. And then this last week, the same thing against uh, Detroit, he didn't look good at all in the first half. And then he turned it on. But the thing is he turned it on in the second half. So he was able to, and the, and the coaching was able to adjust and say, Hey, this isn't working. We've got to change things up. And they, you know, it's like they had that one, the, the game against New Orleans, they came back and won the game. I mean, they, that game against Detroit, they almost pulled the same exact thing that they did with New Orleans and the offense got going. And then you look at the Bears side of things and it's like Justin Fields has a tendency to look better in the first half of games. And then the second half he tails off. And I think some of it's play calling. 
Um, and I think some of it too is just, I, I think some of it has to do with him and it's an unfortunate situation, but here's the issue that I had in this game is it felt like when the bears really needed Justin Fields, they didn't trust him on that, on that drive where they ended up turning the ball over on downs. They ran 11 plays out of those 11 plays. Three were designed pass calls. Um, and to me, that's a, that's a big issue because it's like you look at how good of a game that Justin Fields had had, the fact that he'd only had a you know a few incompletions at that point, and they changed the entire offense. They changed the entire way of what they're trying to do. I understand that they want to run the ball and grind down the clock a little bit, but again, it's a situation where you have to go what's working for you. And I feel like the lack of adjustments with the coaching staff and, and the fact, fair or not, I'm not saying that this is all on Justin Fields, but I do think it's worth noting, Justin Fields doesn't have a single – game winning drive to his name since he's been in the NFL. He had one situation with Pittsburgh um his rookie year um on Monday night football where he drove them down the field and hit Darnell Mooney for that touchdown. It was a great looking drive after a pretty, you know, so-so game. And then obviously they scored too quick. And that's not his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. And they had the game against Minnesota last year where they looked absolutely horrible in the first half. They came back in the second half. They had a chance to if I remember right tie the game. And then, of course, Amir Smith-Marset, um, you know, decided that he was going to fumble the ball when they were moving moving down. But there's been multiple situations where Justin Fields has had the ball with a either game-tying or game-winning situation, and the entire offense falls apart. And again, I'm not saying it's all him because there's been multiple false starts, multiple holding penalties, guys not holding on to the ball. But it gets to a point when, when you can take what happened last year and you can take what's happened so far this year – and surmise that this is simply not working. Like you said, I'm my thing is with Justin Fields is I think Justin Fields can still be a really good quarterback. I just don't think it's going to happen with the Bears. I think ultimately, if he goes to a place like Atlanta, for example, where you got Arthur Smith, who's a great offensive mind that could put him in an actual position to, to succeed, I think that makes all the sense in the world for a team like Atlanta. I think that's a great fit for Justin Fields. But again, it's such a complex situation here in Chicago where I think if the Matt Nagy or Matt Nagy, the Matt Eberflus and this coaching staff ship has sailed, then I don't think that there's a viable uh, move forward for him. But again, man, even for as good as good as everything looked for three quarters, they found a way to crumble and they found a way to lose. And it's not even like they played a good team. That's that's the frustrating part to me is it's not like they were up big against the Chiefs, or the Bills, or the 49ers, or even the Lions. They were up against a team that really like, if you look at, you know, look at how they look, they gave up 70 points a week before. Like the fact that the bears score 28 points on a normal week is good, but they score 28 points against a team that was averaging, giving up over 40 points a game coming into this game. So it's like, you kind of have to grade things on a curve here. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's just not, it's not what we all envisioned happening. Like I didn't think this team would be very good. Um, but like, I didn't think they would be this bad. There'd be this, this much function, dysfunction. I didn't think the defense would be this bad. Um, you know, I didn't think the offensive scheme or anything like that would be this bad. It's just, it's a mess, man. But turn the page week five, Thursday night, um, Amazon prime. It is the Washington commanders hosting the Chicago bears in a rematch of literally one of the worst games we watched all last season. Um, that game was Thursday night at Soldier Field, and that was just that was just a stinker, um, you know, between the Bears and, and the in the Commanders. Um, God, what was it? I mean, like under twenty total points or something like that that was scored. 
Well, and it was funny because that it followed up the game. It was like the the Broncos and somebody the week before, oh, and man. everybody's like, "No, there's no way that, that there's going to be another worst game on on Thursday night football." And then the Bears and the Bears and and, and Commanders came. And again, another game tying situation or game winning situation. And, and I don't put that on Fields because Darnell Mooney has to catch the ball and get in the end zone. But another failed opportunity last year, um, you know, going down and winning. The, it's just man, it, yeah, it's. I can't honestly, more than anything, I cannot believe that the NFL was like, that game was terrible on Thursday Night Football last year. Let's go ahead and run it back. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's a bad one. And, and you look at the commanders, man. And I watched a little bit of that game. Um, I went back and watched it uh, against Philadelphia. I mean, they held their own. They're, they're not a bad football team. Um, their quarterback has, has, obviously has issues with, with taking sacks. Um, Sam, he, he's made throws. Their defense is, is good. Um, they have a young corner in Emmanuel Forbes. That's, that's pretty good. Their front seven is really good, and then I think that's where the Bears are going to have some issues. Um, getting Tevin Jenkins back, he does play, you know, potentially helps that a little bit. Um, at the same time, though, man, you look at that front seven, you know, Deron Payne, um, Chase Young, guys like that, man, like they're they're going to get after Justin Fields. And, and for me, I, I look at this, I think the way the Bears have to win this game they're going to have to have a good rushing attack. Fields is going to have to make it, you know, get it done with his legs um, as well as his arm. And um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how much better the commanders are than the Bears. They are obviously better. Um, but I guess, of course, does, does, does this feel like a game that the Bears can win to you? Um, or is it kind of like the first three, you know, Green Bay or Kansas City or even, you know, Tampa Bay where it's kind of like either eh or they have no shot? I mean, I think this is absolutely a game the Bears can win. If anything more than the fact that it's being played on Thursday night, and Thursday night is home to some of the, you know, craziest, weirdest, you know, ugliest, you know, games possible where teams that you wouldn't expect to win would win. I mean, dude, Washington's been a roller coaster this year. Like they took the Eagles. I mean, they had they led the Eagles for the majority of, of last week's game. They took them in overtime and obviously lost. But then, you know, they had that game against the Arizona Cardinals where they were down for the majority of it and then, you know, barely came back and, and, and won. So it's it, it's it's a situation where uh, and I hope I'm not mixing that up with something else because I thought, didn't they? Maybe maybe I need to take that back. Did they? I'm pretty sure they played the Arizona Cardinals. Now I'm second guessing myself. Yes. And I don't they know played what. the Cardinals week one and they were down. Um, yes. They were up okay. seven nothing. They're up seven nothing and they were down like. 16 10 or something something like that in the second half yeah because i because as i was talking all of a sudden daniel jones and the giants pops in my head i'm like maybe i'm misremembering this yeah they, so giants played the cardinals the following week yeah well that's the thing though is like if you if you look at the commanders so far i mean yeah they're two and two and sam howell's uh, sam howell has been playing better than i thought but it's like dude i mean just look at the I, i've got the scores so 20 to 16 they barely beat the cardinals they barely beat the Broncos 35 to 33. Keep in mind the Broncos were absolutely dominating them in the first half of that game. Next week they roll out, they get blown out 37 to 3 against the Bills. And then last week they hang tough with, in my opinion, a better team in the Eagles, and they lose in overtime um, 34 to 31. Like I said, they led the majority of that game. So that they're one of those teams, like if you look at it from a matchup standpoint, like Sam Howell has been sacked a season high 24 times so far this year. But then you look at the Bears defense, you know, defensive front, they have two sacks all season, you know, through four games. And it's like you look at the commander's defense and all the talent that they have, but then you start looking at their numbers 
and they're giving up a lot of points and they're giving up a decent amount of yards. So it's, it's one of those situations where it's like on paper, really on paper, if you just take everything else out of it, it's, it's, I don't know if I'd say it's an even matchup, but it's a closer matchup than what it feels like. So can the bears win the game? Sure. Do I think they're going to? No, I don't. I'm not. (laughs) I refuse to pick them until they give me a reason to pick. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Like I I do think it's a winnable game. Um, I do think if we see the offense that we saw, you know, um, first half or first three quarters of, of Sunday's game, the bears will have a shot. Um, But obviously, you know, that's, the big difference in the Broncos defense and the commanders defense, you know, if the bears come out, they're doing the, do that against the commanders defense. I'd feel a little bit better about their offense moving forward. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be a tough, tough battle for them. Um, you know, I, I really don't know what to expect and I don't know, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I just don't know what, what's going to happen after because we talked about it earlier, but, you know, it, it is a long week. It's like a mini buy. Uh, if an, any other team was going to make a move, um, that would be the time to make a move. But I, I don't think the Bears are going to are going to do that, even if even if they lose. So let's get into our predictions and and um, you know, maybe X factor for the game, Aaron. Um, I, I'll go first. I, I'm going to go with the Commanders. Um, I hate picking against the Bears, but I think the Commanders have the better defensive line. I think they're better in the trenches. Um, you know, I, I do think a lot of those sacks that Howell takes are, are probably more on him um, than anything else. I don't think the commander's offensive line is terrible by any means. Um, but they are, you know, it's a chance for the Bears defense to get to them. And if the Bears defense, you know, I guess the X factor, if the Bears defensive line can get to Sam Howell, force some sacks, they'll have a better chance. Um, but I, I'm going to go like commanders 17, Bears 16. Do you have uh, your prediction in X Factor? Oh, did we lose yeah, it? Yeah, sorry. No, I. Oh, no, yeah, I, no, I was. I was. I, was, I couldn't get the the mouse aware. What was your X Factor? On uh, the defensive line. The, okay, the defensive line, for both yeah. teams. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm honestly, man, I'm. I'm in a pretty similar boat to you right now. It's like I. To me, I think that the chances of this unraveling further are far greater greater than the Bears pulling out, um, you know, an, an upset win and, and and shocking everybody. Like I said, is it possible? Absolutely. I, I still don't think like the Bears may be the worst team in the league right now, but I don't think it's because of the talent level. I, I think there's there's a lot of factors. So for me, I'm going to go 34-17 commanders. I, I think, you know, Frankly, the Bears defense holding any team under 30 points right now just doesn't really seem that plausible. Um, you know, Washington has a lot of good weapons, especially at receiver. Sam Howell's been slinging him, and he does have more interceptions than uh, touchdowns right now. But I think that this is kind of one of like you, you always look for those get right games. You know, if you're a fan of a team, and it's like, frankly, this could be a get right uh, game for the commanders and their offense. Um, and then the X factor for me, I was going to go with the defensive line and getting pressure on Sam Howell as well. And I kind of started thinking about it a little bit more and I, I kind of, I, w- I want to flip it and say protecting Justin Fields, because again, this is a really good defensive front. Um, even if it's on paper and pass production, this is a really good defensive front. And kind of like we talked about, man, Justin Fields had a fantastic game. He looked free. He looked confident. He was throwing to, you know, he was throwing with anticipation. He was throwing to open receivers uh, you know, he was, he was playing, 
playing like he should be playing, playing like we saw him play, uh, you know, during that stretch last year. So I think keeping him protected and allowing him to get off to a good start is going to be big. I mean, I think we kind of saw that this last week where they, they gave him some easier throws to kind of get him in a rhythm. And, you know, he rattled off, what was it? 16 completions in a row and, and looked really good and literally could not miss. I mean, it really, I mean, you take out that hail Mary and it's like, he didn't have an incompletion until almost the fourth quarter of the game. So it's, I don't think that that's going to happen this week just because obviously the commander's defense is better. But I do think that, you know, keeping him protected um, is going to be big because, I mean, really, man, the running game has not has not really got going yet. And I, I do think that with this defensive front, and even if Tevin Jenkins is back, this is going to be his first game of the season. He didn't play at all in the preseason. Um, so, I mean, you're, t- you're talking about a guy that it's going to take some time, plus he's playing a brand-new position. So I this the, the battle of the trenches is definitely not going to be in, in the Bears' favor, at least on paper. So I think – keeping keeping fields protected and allowing him to you know get into a rhythm early build some confidence i think is going to be key because i think again uh the bears offense is going to have to keep up uh with the with their lack of defense and i think that that's really going to be the key to the game aaron where can everyone follow you on twitter at and uh where can everyone read your work you can find me at aaron Lemming nfl on twitter and you can read my work uh on the bearreport.com as always you can follow the bear report on twitter at just bear report um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. As always, please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps us and picks for polls. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode to recap the latest with the Bears. Hopefully a little less dysfunctional than this past week was. Um, but, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not banking on that. Till next time, everyone. Please stay healthy and please stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.